take your Bibles, your copy of God's Word, and turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 5, where we're going to find the key way in which we can find that perfect peace. In fact, that song alludes to our text this morning in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, which declares this, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This morning we can have that perfect peace no matter what burdens we carry, no matter how dark the world around us may seem, no matter how great the temptation, the fear, the worry. We can cast it all upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and find this perfect peace knowing that He cares for us. He cares for us. Look with me, 1 Peter chapter 5. I'd like to begin, uh, draw your attention really to the context of this, for it comes in the beginning or in the middle of verse 5, the command is given and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. This morning, as you've come here to worship, as you've come to gather in fellowship, I imagine many of you have burdens. You have cares. You have things you are tempted to be anxious about, worry about, fret about. I know I do. I have all kinds of them. What do we do with them? How do we process those burdens? How do we process those anxieties, those cares? What do we do with them? Oftentimes, we are tempted to just carry them. Sometimes, we do it because we don't know what else to do with them. Sometimes, we do it because we don't trust anybody else to do it. We don't trust the way anybody else might help carry it. We sometimes carry burdens because we're too proud to ask for help. I find it profound that verse 7, though as a young child I memorized this verse and was taught it by my parents, independent of its context, it's really ripped right out of a sentence and doesn't really stand alone. In fact, the command to cast all your care upon God, for he careth for you, is in conjunction with the command to humble yourself, to humble myself. 
I think that's significant. Because oftentimes, the reason why we are unwilling to cast our cares upon him is because we're too proud to. We're too proud that we need help, that it's too heavy. And so the two have to work together. Humility must come as we cast our burdens upon the Lord. We need to be humble. Realize that we can't carry the burdens. The cares, the burdens that come in life, we need help. Let me tell you, there's a lot of people that can help us. But there's only one person who can ultimately and truly and completely give us everything and all that we need. And that is our creator, God. That's why, as we sang earlier, the hymn, Nearer to the Heart of God, oh, how precious it is to be able to come nearer to the heart of God, to know that we are his children. In fact, there's two parts, really, to the message I have for you here this morning. The first is to acknowledge this command to cast all your care upon your God. And the second is to rest in the truth of this, and that is, he careth for you. You see, the two go together. The two go together. Casting all your care upon him. A few thoughts I'd like to share with you on the concept of what that is. The, the phrase there, casting your care, in the Greek carries a few different nuances of meaning. The most basic meaning is to cast upon, just like it says. It's used back in the day of the triumphal entry when the people would take their garments and they cast them upon the donkey or they cast them on the ground before the Lord. Notice the release of that. That's the other aspect of it, is that the idea of casting has the idea of releasing it. How many times do you find yourself frustrated in trying to help someone when they may ask for help, but they really don't let you help? They still kind of hold on to it, holding back your ability to help them. This casting upon him is a release. It is a full release to God. The other concepts of it used in different parts of Greek literature has the idea of depending upon someone or something. Uh, One great Greek scholar in studying other literature and pieces of how this word has been used in other contexts, it carries another idea of taking and depositing something that is significant to you into an account of trust. So imagine your worries, your burdens, your trials. You know what they are. And the Holy Spirit knows what they are, and your God knows what they are. Will you take those burdens, those troubles, those problems, and deposit them into an account of trust? In your God. 
knowing that he will take care of it. Another concept of the word here that's translated casting your cares is the idea of a transfer of responsibility. So often we take and we carry burdens from legitimate responsibilities. But then sometimes we take that and we fret over it. We trouble ourselves with it. And here, casting it is the transferring of the responsibility to your God. Do we do that with all our cares? Now, there's lots of things that we can care about. Here, the word carries an undertone of anxiety, of frets, of worries. It's amazing to me at how often our frets, our worries, our anxieties actually source from very legitimate needs and responsibilities. And there's nothing wrong with needs and responsibilities. We need to be meeting needs, and we need to be fulfilling responsibilities. But we need to be doing it without fretting, without anxiety, without fear, and without care. Here in our first world situation, so many of the things that we fret about in comparison to other parts of the world are, are relatively small. But yet, they're still real. And that's what's so intriguing about it, is that you can have it to a point where one is absolutely destitute of daily food, and sometimes you will find them at more peace than the one who has a refrigerator full of food and is fretting about his budget. See, there's, there's differences here in this. And whether you're in the little and don't know where your daily food will come from, the need to cast your care upon your God is the same as the one who has all the wealth huh, and has trouble prioritizing it, has trouble budgeting it. In some ways, actually, Paul speaks of the one who is rich to be warned that they trust not in uncertain riches because sometimes when our abundance we come to trust more and on our certain riches and lose, fact, lose sight of the fact that we need to be casting all our cares upon our God and trusting Him. Yes, we have responsibilities of providing for our, home, for our, our own as, as fathers and husbands particularly, but we must not fret about it. And as we do provide for things, we need to be casting our cares upon the one who cares for us. There's lots of things we're tempted to worry about. We're tempted to worry about our work. We're tempted to worry about our finances, about our debts. We find ourselves in serious fretting sometimes when we find ourselves sick and physically in pain of illness. Have you ever found yourself taking responsibilities that you have 
the great responsibility of being a dad or a mom and raising and training children. You ever been tempted to fret about how you're doing or how to do it? Cast these cares upon the Lord. Many of you homeschool your kids. Wow, is that a big job? You ever found yourself fretting about being behind, struggling through things, or even sometimes keeping them busy because they're going so fast, all different sides of it? Do we, do we fret over it? We cast those cares upon the Lord. Do we see this world that we live in and do we see the godlessness, the, the false ideas of philosophies? This morning we learned of the fact that there are many who speak truth and lie and we have a responsibility in every situation to discern between truth and lies. We have a responsibility of teaching and instructing our children and doing the same. But it's not something that we must fret about. It's not something that we should worry about. We take it one day at a time, casting our frets and our concerns upon the Lord, knowing that He cares for us. And then we simply do what we know He wants us to do. And when we don't know, seek Him. Not fretting, but by first and foremost, humbling ourselves that we don't know, casting our cares upon Him, and then seeking to know what to do. Temptations to fret abound everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. It is especially, we are, we are especially vulnerable to it as a people who have much because uh, we become so accustomed to having much that when the threat or the fear of not having it can overcome us with cares. So whatever it may be, I can't go into the details because I don't know what's in your heart right this moment, but I know that you know what troubles you. This morning, cast them, all those cares, upon God, for He careth for you. Let me draw your attention to one little teeny word here in this command. Three-letter word, all, all. There's two aspects I'd like to point out regarding that word all. It has to do with your cares. It has to do with those things that you care about and are tempted to fret and worry about. Here all is each and every one. Each and every one. Cast it upon the Lord. Deliver it over to Him. Deposit it to Him as the one in account. Give it to Him. All of them. And the second nuance of the word all, I'd like you to consider is not just each and every one, but the entirety of each and every one. All, all of each and all of the eaches. That didn't make any sense, did it? Each part and the whole of each part, all of it, cast upon him. So oftentimes, we find ourselves 
if we could imagine here, when we cast all our care upon him, imagine that we cast it upon his throne. Imagine that we come before the throne of grace and we cast our cares upon the throne, upon him. Um, have you ever found yourself tiptoeing back into the throne room and getting what you cast on the throne back? Now, that picture seems ludicrous to us, doesn't it? But you know, sometimes we do that. Sometimes we acknowledge this here and, and we cast our burdens, we cast our cares upon the Lord. We deliver them to him. But then just a few moments later, that ping of temptation, whether of our flesh or of this adversary here that comes in the next, in the immediately following context, comes to tell us a lie to deceive us and we take it back and we fret about it again. We make it our concern again. Let's not do that. Let's cast it all upon him, the whole of it, and let's leave it with him. For he careth for you. Think about for a moment who the he is. The he is God. In fact, if you look at the last verse of chapter 4, you find out that this God is the faithful creator. He's God. Back in chapter 2, verse 25, he is called the bishop of your soul. That means he's the one who's overlooking, watching over your soul. Similar concept, he's described as the shepherd, the chief shepherd. Here in verse 4, and also back in chapter 2, verse 25. If we keep on continuing down, even in this own pa same passage, this one whom we cast our care upon, this one who cares for us, is described in verse 10, if you glance your eyes down to it, he is the God of all grace. All grace. He's the God of all grace. Everything good, everything that can be given to you that is of value, that is of strength, the, the everything of everything is really what's included in the grace. He's the God of it all. He's the one who's caring for you. He's the one upon whom you are casting your cares. You are transferring it to him. The faithful creator, the bishop of your souls, the good shepherd, the God of all, all grace. It says here that he is the one who cares for you. It's actually a different word in the Greek. The first one carrying the idea of cares that comes with a weight of burden uh, that can be of fretfulness, but nonetheless, it's heavy. The care here is the care of a continual thinking upon. 
it's, a, it's, it's thinking upon to do something about it. So his care is that he is continually thinking about you and about I and how he can take care of us. Now, that's a big deal. And that's a really big deal when you consider the fact that he's the faithful creator, when you consider the fact that he's the God of all grace. And he is thinking about you and giving attention to you and to I as if we were the only one. You ever thought about that? As if we were the only one. That's how he is caring for us. He is looking over us. He is watching us. In fact, even in 1 Peter, back in chapter 3, it says that his eyes are over the righteous. He's looking over you, and he is considering and making a plan of how he is going to provide just what you need. It reminds me of Psalm 40, verse 17, where the psalmist cried and said, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying, O my God. He sees us. He sees you. He sees me. That's why the psalmist also carries the same idea here in 1 Peter, back in Psalm 55. He says this, Cast thy burden upon the Lord and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. There the moved is the moving of trouble. It's the moving of, of distress within the heart. What this is describing doesn't mean that there's not going to be calamity. There's not going to be suffering. In fact, much of 1 Peter is written to a people who were suffering, and it's even said, think it not strange that ye suffer. The moving here is, is the moving of, of anxiousness in the heart. When we cast our burden upon the Lord, knowing that he will sustain us, knowing that he'll not suffer the righteous to be moved, that troubling need not be there. In Psalm 55, he goes on to speak of the evildoer, that one who, who does not believe God, and that trouble and judgment will come to him. He will be troubled. And the psalmist comes back at the end and says, but I, I will trust in thee, O God, the one in whom you cast your burdens upon. Take your Bibles and turn with me back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, a letter written by Paul, and he deals with this same concept. Another command, worded in a different way. Giving an answer of a way in which I think is practical for us to cast our care upon him. You might be sitting there saying, okay, preacher, You've said, cast your care upon the Lord. You've given the illustration of coming into the throne room of God and casting my burdens on him. But how do I practically really do that? I think Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 give us a very practical way of something we can actually do in this. I believe it's really spiritual. It is spiritual. But the spiritual results in actions. And I believe Philippians chapter 4 gives us something that we can do that is actionable in obedience when we're having trouble letting go. 
Philippians chapter 4, look at verse 6. Be careful. That is full of care. That is being anxious for nothing. Don't be anxious for anything. Here is the all your care. In Paul's words, be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In those times when you're not sure how to cast your cares upon him, practically, pray. Make known your troubles, your burdens. Humble yourself before your God and tell him you're having a problem. Pray and give him supplication. Ask for his help. Ask him to give you the peace. Ask him to take the anxiety away. Don't forget thanksgiving. It goes together. Thanksgiving. Thanking him for whatever the problem is that's causing your heart to be troubled, that's causing your heart to be anxious. And in praying, in giving your supplication, and in offering thanksgiving, then let your requests be made known unto God. We sang earlier in Bible Hour about him owning the cattle on a thousand hills. Even in that song, it again referenced the idea of casting our care upon him. So many songs are filled with this. It's a thanksgiving. It's a recognizing that I don't have it in me. I don't have it with me. I don't have the ability, the skill. But I know one who does. I can't help myself. Situation is entirely out of my control. Do I thank God for it? And then do I make my requests known unto him? Notice how here it follows in verse 7, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, as you cast all your care upon him, you can be sure, absolutely sure, that he, the faithful creator, Your good shepherd cares for you. And he will give you peace, a peace that passeth all understanding, a peace that may not even make sense in the midst of the trouble. And it shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Oftentimes, we think of the heart in the idea of the seat of our emotions, how we feel. And we think of the mind and how we think and how we perceive things. That was true even in this context. Both are carried through, the heart and the mind. I find it interesting that they're there because sometimes our mind is not able to process information and even bringing solutions to pass because our heart is so troubled. But here in this, as we, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make our requests known to God, knowing that he is the one who cares for us, it is he that it is his peace that will come upon us to the keeping of our hearts 
and minds. I've learned so many times that when there's a problem before me and a solution is needed, I don't have much success finding the solution when I'm all troubled about it. I don't think I'm alone in that. I need first this peace of God. I need first to humble myself. Pray, give thanksgiving, and receive the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, knowing that his peace will keep both my heart and mind. He then leads me in the wisdom and the way that I need. It's fascinating then that tying in of he careth for you and that careth carries the concept and idea of that he is, he is thinking about us. He is thinking about us and how there can be a solution. Oh, so oftentimes that's what we think we're doing when we're actually fretting. And so we start by casting all our care upon him for he careth for you. As we close, I'd like for us to turn back to a, a sermon Jesus preached in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Turn with me there. Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 is referred to as a Sermon on the Mount. It was a sermon that Jesus preached on one of the hillsides. You can imagine it there. The people had gathered together, or a great multitude had gathered together to hear Jesus speak and to teach. All around them, you would have had the birds, the trees, the flowers, the grass, and the people seated among all of these things, listening to Jesus. There were many people who followed Jesus. There were poor people. There were rich people. There were believing people. There were unbelieving people. There were people who didn't know what they thought who were following Jesus and were there in that audience. And in Matthew chapter 6, and verse 25, Jesus begins to speak to them about their cares. And in Matthew 6, 25, he says, Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. You might say, what? I'm not supposed to think about my life, food, clothes? No, what Jesus is saying here by take no thought is don't worry about it. Don't fret about it. Don't be anxious about it. In fact, there's many other scriptures that tell us that he really does intend for us to think about things of life. In fact, even husbands are particularly commanded that um, they care for the things of this world. But not worryingly, not fretting, no. For Jesus goes on and says, is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? And here they are sitting on that hillside and, and he says, behold the fowls of the air. I think there were some birds flying across, maybe a whole flock of birds flying over just at that time. He brings their attention to them. Behold, the fowls of the air. For they sow not, they don't plant seeds, neither do they reap, 
They don't harvest in their stuff. They, they, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Now, he's not telling them that we as people don't sow, reap, and store. In fact, there's other scriptures that tell us that we should be doing those things. But are you doing them fretting, worrying? Or are you recognizing that you have a heavenly Father who feeds you? For he says, are ye not much better than they? Aren't you better than the birds? He goes on and says, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Or knock one off? Short or tall? Can worrying about it change it? Or why take ye thought? For raiment. Why would you fret or worry about what you were going to wear? For he says, consider the lilies of the field. And again, imagine he's, he's pointing right there at the lilies. How they grow. They, they, they toil not. Neither do they spin, paralleling in the spinning of clothes, cloth. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, it's one of the sad things about these lilies, we got these for Palm Sunday, and, and I thought, sure, they'd last through today. And, and some of you might be looking at them here, and last night I was looking at them and thinking, boy, those are pitiful. Well, that one's good, but yeah. And um, I had a little helper yesterday, and I had him go through and pick all the dead ones away, get them away. And looky here. This one here was, it was a little withered, but, you know, I came in this morning, and here it is, and I was going to come pick it off. And I remembered this verse. <laughs> I'm not going to leave it there. There's a few of them. Well, there was another one. Looked good last night, but, you know, today, it's, it's there. By tomorrow morning, it's, it's, it's going to fall off. And speaking of the idea of the oven, is if it were outside, it would just, the sun would dehydrate it, and it would, it would just turn to dirt. And yet you see the, the beautiful flower, and God, Jesus, in this message, is comparing it to this, and he's, he's saying, do you fret about what you will wear? Do you see how God takes care of the flowers, the grass? They're there, even though they're here one day and gone the next. He says in verse 30, shall not he much more clothe you, O ye a little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. Gentiles here are speaking of those who know not God. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. See, he's not denying that there's needs in life. He's just telling us to not fret about it, but rather trust. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. That last phrase is kind of troubling to me. What it basically speaks of is the fact that there are days that are troubling days. Evil not in the moral sense, but in the chaotic sense. And don't fret about tomorrow. Trust God now. And in that evil day, trust God then. Don't fret. Don't worry. Cast all your care upon him, for he 
careth for you. He careth for you. Let him know your requests, your petitions, and trust him. And so this morning, I admonish you in this. If you came here today fretting about something, cast it upon the Lord. Cast it upon him. And know and believe that he cares for you. Thank him for it. Thank him for it. And at the same time, make your requests known unto him, knowing that he hears you and believing that he alone can give you peace and keep your mind and heart. Trust him. I'd like to bring one other application practically to this. Here we're looking and seeing of how we as individuals interact with our Christ, our Lord. In Ephesians chapter 5, there's a parallel made between the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ. What is that parallel? It is the parallel of marriage. It is a parallel of marriage. And so in many occasions when we find descriptions of the relationship between Christ and the church, it is important for us, particularly as husbands, to sit up and take note and say, what is Jesus doing? How is Jesus being described in this passage? And can I learn from that? As I meditated on this, this one who cares for me, I began to ask myself the question as a husband. As a husband, do I care for my wife? Do I care for my children? Am I one who is in tune and in touch and actively thinking upon and working out solutions so that particularly my wife, when she is tempted to be troubled or to care for the things of this world, can in confidence cast them upon me? Now, I'm not saying that women should cast their burdens upon their husbands and, and that the husbands are in the place of God. No, 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 no. In fact, if you miss God in all of it, you're going to find your husbands utterly miserably failures. We all start by casting our burdens upon the Lord, knowing that He careth for us. But as husbands, do we also care for our wives and care for our children in such a way that they can come to us in addition to the Lord and cast their burdens upon us knowing that we care for them? Now, wives, don't get your expectations too high for your husbands, but husbands don't use it as an excuse. I once heard of a husband who said, well, I'm not Jesus. That's true. I'm not either. I'm really weak. And, and I, 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 even, I even struggle with the comparison. But in the same passage that speaks and says that marriage is a picture of the relationship between Christ and the church, it also speaks of us as husbands needing to be filled with the Spirit. So you'd be right, whoever that man was who said, I'm not Jesus. He's right. But the Spirit of Christ, if you're a believer, indwells you. 
And are you, as a husband, as a father, one who is caring for those around you in such a way that they can have peace as they cast burdens upon the Lord to also cast them upon you? Will you care for them? Do you see how much of an agent husbands can be in this situation? There may be situations in which the solution to very problems may come from husbands as the Lord guides and leads. And so, as a side application, I appeal to husbands, care for your wife. Be one in whom she can, with confidence, cast her burdens, knowing that you care for her. And wives, cast your burdens first and foremost upon the Lord. And as he so leads, I pray that you can have the same confidence to confide in your husband that he too may care for you. He may be the very agent that God uses to bring a solution to the problem. We need to have a relationship that is real and vital. So this morning, cast your burdens on the Lord. Trust him, trust him, and don't forget this. He cares for you. He cares for you. Gracious God, we give thanks to you that you are the faithful creator. We give thanks to you that you are our good shepherd. We give thanks to you that you are the God of all grace. May we live each day and each moment of every day trusting you, casting our burdens upon you, our cares, our worries, our frets. Lord, may we not let our heart be troubled. May we take no thought of fear and anxiety in the things of this world, but may we rest and hope in you. We commit ourselves to you in this day and praise you. Lord, I think of some in this room who really don't know you as their heavenly father. They don't know you as their shepherd. I pray that today you would draw them to yourself, that today they would believe on you and become one of your children, that they too, in times of temptation to fear and fret, might cast all upon you and truly know that you care for them. We commit ourselves to you now as we pray in your name. Amen.